good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And I hope all of you are well and safe out there, wherever you may be. And how are you, my man? You know, just just living, man. Just trying to make the best of this. I saw that you guys got some, you got a Corona cane, or a COVID cane coming your way. I saw that on the news today. A coronavirus hurricane. That's what the news is coming up with now. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time believing. Listen, I, I've watched the news. Like, I don't know, is are comedy writers writing the news now? Like, is it like the Daily Show writing the news? Like, I, you can't even look it up. Like, if you, it's a meteorologist, like, uh, what, what's a COVID a COVID scene. It, you know, it's it's like you said. It's like someone. It's like the same guy that writes the Daily Show, writes like local news, CNN, like just the whole the whole nine yards. And they just they come up with the silliest shit known to man. So now you got all these people panicked out about a, a hurricane that's gonna spread the coronavirus. I actually read that on Facebook today. I was on uh, on the Florida Today. Uh, uh, Facebook page, and someone was legitimately concerned about a hurricane spreading a virus. That's how stupid we are as a society. Everyone absorbed that. Hurricanes don't transmit viruses. I'm just going to throw that out there. They just bring I mean, the pain and heat and humidity and misery and a loss of power. Maybe. I mean, uh, we'll we'll buy you know, here's the thing. The mere fact, Chris, that you had to explain it Kind of let you know the state of what we are in this country. I'm just gonna I, not say that you 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 explained it well, but when somebody actually believes that a hurricane full of everything that you just said can do, oh, it's gonna sp- like it, it's one of those things that if someone said it to your face, you'd walk away. Of course, you know six feet. Of course, then you can walk away faster. But the point is, is that. We're, I think we're, before we get started, I'll just go and just say this before we get started. I, I I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. I don't care about, you know, any of that. People have to understand. The news, whatever side, like I said, whatever side of the spectrum it is, you have to be knowledgeable on your own. Because you can't base it off what everything the news tells you. I'm not saying don't trust the media. I'm not trying to start World War Three with that. You know, I'm not trying to fight that. My simple conjecture is be knowledgeable under the mere fact, Chris, like I said, that you had to explain. And I literally somebody believed that a hurricane can literally spread COVID. Let you know. What a time to be alive, man. It's like like I said last week, like if if this is in the history books, look, you know, I think somebody on Facebook said, like, listen, make it an open book test. I think people still would fail it because you wouldn't know where the answers are because there's literally no wrong answers. God bless. Like any other year, you it's dated, but oy vey. And at speaking of speaking of oy vey, depending on the side of the spectrum you're on, uh, Jamal Adams is on the move. <laughs> he he went from he went from the being a jet to a Seahawk, and and you being the Jet for I go on my tangent, I'll let you. You're the Jet fan, and give me your thoughts on the trade and and, and everything else in between. Look, we all saw this coming. 
This this should be a shock to nobody anywhere in the English speaking language of the world that watches American football. Um homeboy wanted out. There there's no I, I think you can uh you can concur with me on that. He he did not want to be a jet anymore. Um there are a lot of factors into it. A I think he knew that his talent was uh limited in New York. Um, even though they're, they've done a great job building a defense, especially when Todd Bowles was there, uh, he is a very defensive minded coach who brought Adams into the program here. Um, but him and Gase, you can definitely tell they didn't click him and, and Douglas, you could definitely tell they didn't click. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, uh, he, you know, you got so number one first problem is you got him him being Jamal Adams fighting with the 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 team management, the coach, the GM, you know, the 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 executive team we'll call him. You got him uh you know he, I think he said something like, you know, Joe Douglas doesn't you know, just doesn't know what he's doing, slamming Gase's leadership capabilities as a coach. Like he he definitely got his wish going to Seattle. Um, he, I, I think, you know how sometimes like, you know, like people like you, you'll wear out your welcome. I think he wore out his welcome in, in New York with just everything that, that was going on with, uh, with everything there. Uh, it sucks to see him go because he's such a talented player. But as you know, if you keep that type of player in the locker room, I don't care what sport it is, if it's baseball, if it's football, um, basketball, if you have a, a, a massive disruption in your locker room that breaks team cohesion, it's just unhealthy for the program. Look at uh, Look at the Detroit Pistons with Dennis Rodman. And then all the shit that he stirred there, they got rid of him. He went to San Antonio. They got rid of him. He came to Chicago. He, you know, Phil Jackson knew how to handle his personality and made it work. Maybe Pete Carroll can be that coach. Now, if you look at Pete Carroll, though, he's had some very um, uh, abrasive personalities work under him. Uh, Cam Chancellor. Richard Sherman, ring a bell, you know. Um, both of those guys were were quite um, rough around the edges, I guess we can say, when they created that Legion of Boom and and won a Super Bowl, you know. Uh, he took Shaq Griffin. I mean, Pete Carroll, like, could he be that good of a defensive coach? I mean, if correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he start out as like a DB coach and and then a defensive coordinator and then head coach? Yeah, that was kind of the when he left when he left uh, his last head coaching job before he got the Seattle job. He was uh, went to New England. We went to USC. We know what happened there. And then, but before that, he was a he was a defensive backs coach. He was a DC coach. Became a head coach in the NFL. Left went to went to college. You saw what he did at USC, and then he came to Seattle. And so, you know, maybe maybe he's just like a. The, the quarterback whisperer, or in a quarter, the 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 quarterback 
secondary whisperer. Maybe, maybe he can address Jamal's attitude, um, and and put him in a position where he, uh, or he can thrive and 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 feel like he's he's producing more. I mean, he can definitely go out there and be like that Eric Berry, uh, you know, Tyron Matthew type uh, player, I think. The only thing that um, I I actually did notice, and and I kind of noticed it watching, you know, the Jets play, but one of the ESPN uh, personalities, they did a next-gen stats heat map of where he lined up. Mm-hmm. And for someone that proclaims he's one of the best, you know, strong safeties, free safeties in the game, he spent a lot of time inside the tackle box lining. So if you look at the heat map, he's lining up on on the B gap of either side, neither on the line under the middle linebacker or at like that five yard off the line of scrimmage uh, lineup. So, Maybe he felt that he wasn't being utilized in the way he he was. If you compare him to like Cam Chancellor, for example, in 2016, Pete Carroll had him playing on average a minimum five yards back, proceeding up to 15 back. Uh, and then there were a lot of times that with the Jets' scheme, that when they lined up, they actually had Marcus May, one of our Brevard County natives, who made it big. Uh, he had they had May playing that that way deep field safety, uh, comparing then having Adams inside the tackle box. You know maybe there is some some theology behind that. You know I'm not in the mind of of the coaching staff there in New York, but uh, you know I mean time will tell. We'll see what happens if if we get a season this year and see how. Uh, how Adams fits into that scheme because they, you know, the Seattle, you know, they used to play a lot of cover three, but again, they had that those players that could that could scheme that cover three rather easily uh, with Sherman and you know and and uh, all those guys. But I'll tell you the one thing though, the NFL is starting to branch out for you know for trade deals. Uh, um, you know, I'm sure you saw what they thought that uh, Adams was worth, but two first round picks and a third round pick and a player for a safety. That's, that's pretty deep. And then a fact that the jets only gave up a fourth round pick in the 2022 draft, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, uh, that's stellar. I, I, that is good business that the Jets did right there. If you think about the grand scheme of things, the Jets, I, you can definitely agree with me on Ladarius. They're they're in a very monotonous rebuilding process right now. I think you could agree on that. Yeah, monotonous is putting it nicely, but yeah. <laughs> but you know they've started now. They they addressed the weakest link, which was the left side of the offensive line in this draft. So they're able to protect Darnold and protect Bell. And then the Jets, you know, brought on some talent for to actually catch the ball when, when, they, when he throws it to him, you know, bringing in some uh, some receivers, you know. So maybe on the opposite side of the ball or even continuing next year into improving, you know, you, you get 
uh, a first round 2021 pick, a first round 2022 pick, and a third round 2021 plus their regular in season pick that they'll get courtesy of this season in the next draft, and then whatever else that they might be able to shell up a trade for, you know, um, is is semi productive as Le'Veon Bell was last year. I definitely think he's still worth a. Uh, a first round trade coin to a team that could, you know, use an elite running back that, you know, has an offensive line to actually produce, uh, you know, ball movement. Um, you know, so I guess time will tell, but you know, for, for two first rounds and a third round to get rid of a headache out of your locker room, to me, that, that that's a win-win situation, you know, for, for me personally. And then I think it really showed, just the animosity in the locker room. Cause I, I don't know. Did you see what Le'Veon Bell uh, wrote on Twitter about, about the Adams leaving? Yeah. I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter a lot and I read and I just went, I, I'll leave it at that. I'll I mean, just leave it there. He, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> You know, yeah. See, I mean to cut you off, but see, that's the way I feel. I'm not going to say on the record that he's wrong, but it's that but dot 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 part that, like a part. Like I'm not going to say anything. He's I'm not going to say what he said was wrong whatsoever. I uh, like I'm, I'm like I'm I'm reading it, and I mean he brought up some points that you know I mean essentially translating what he wrote into like you know the English language. Is you know you 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 bitched and complained that you wanted to stay, but then he just up and leave. You know, and that and then he was essentially doing it for attention and to get, you know, uh, you know to get his name out there. So, uh, you know, Adams clapped back and said, "Noted. See you in week 14. <laughs> so you can already feel the. Uh, the animosity, I think, uh, between Bell and and Adams, and I think you might see that come out on the field, um, you know, because the Jets play Seattle in Week 14, um, and you know, and and to Bell's retort, you know, he said that he talked to him on the phone, is that hey, if this is what's best for Jamal Adams, then that's what's good, and like I just he's like I just want you to be happy, but like. You know, like what? Like what are you trying to say? Like you're gonna see me in week 14? Like you're gonna do something? I mean, as great as uh, a DB as Adams is, I think he squares up shoulder to shoulder on Bell. That might not go in the way he thinks it's gonna go. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> throwing it out there. You know, it's gonna be like uh, w- when Richard Sherman was shit talking right before the Super Bowl. About how you know he uh, Tyree Kill couldn't burn him and Kelsey couldn't burn him, and well, you know, <laughs> we all know how that turned out last in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we do. I think we do. It was it was like a Madden game, <laughs> but yeah, no nah, man, I uh, I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to see him go. I'm sad, but I'm happy. I, I I'll miss his talent. But the 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 aggravation I think that it would brought in the locker room I think would just be unneeded. Our team is enough of a problem without adding to it. So uh, what do you uh, what do you think? You know, it, when I first saw the trade, I thought of a lot of things. 
I'll just I'll just try to go in the best order that I can. When I saw what the Seahawks gave up, I felt and I'm and I'm not one to question. I felt it was too much. So, and I think I talked about it when I talked about when I talked about Jamal Adams on the podcast. I think about last month or earlier this month. And Chris, I talked about the. I think I talked about it last week. The value of the safety position. You know, if yeah. you look at it from an overall perspective, well, if you look from overall perspective, it's not a value. But if you zero in defensively, you know, the D line is way more valuable. Linebacker, corner. And safety, I'm not knocking it, but it's just not – I would not give up – I give up a first round, but essentially two and a – you know, two a, two ones, a three, and a starter. I, I feel that's too much simply because I'm not saying Jamal Adams is a terrible football player because if you go back and listen to what I talked about him on the other podcast, what I talked about on the segment, like, Chris, I don't knock him. And my whole thing is, will he get paid? I think he will, and I'll I'll get to that in a minute. I just feel that Seattle felt comfortable giving up the future to win now. They feel that if they're one player away, and they feel that one player is Jamal Adams. You you see it all the time in baseball. You see it, especially in the NBA, where you trade for a guy that feel you're one player away to get you to a championship. And Seattle is still a championship as long as number three is behind center. You have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And personally, while I felt the defense was not bad last year under Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll is one of the best defensive minds, not only in the game now, but probably the last 10, 15 years. You know, so his defense was developing through the draft. And they played great, given the division they're in. So my whole point is I think the Jets win simply because, that listen, we can knock the Jets, and God knows we both have, for management and for, and for the way that they've essentially conducted business. But my whole thing is here, Chris, is, is that when I, when I look at the Jets, do I blame Jamal Adams for wanting to get out? No, I don't. But I understand why. But my whole point is, Chris, is that Jamal Adams is really the big winner out of all of this. Because he essentially got what he wanted. Like, listen, remember the situation with Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. Remember, he wanted Pittsburgh to trade him. Pittsburgh said, we're not going to trade you. He went out of Pittsburgh, so what happened? They let him sit. And I'm not going to get into who's better, Le'Veon Bell or Jamal Adams concept. But my point is, Chris, basically the Jets said, listen, we can trade Jamal and get a first-round pick. But to get two first-round picks, Chris, I think it's too much. You can't beat that. You can't beat that, and... And I think the Jets, in a situation where it's a like you say, monotonous rebuild is putting it very nicely. I just feel, Chris, this was more of a move to say this. It's to free up cap space because at some point, if you didn't trade Jamal Adams, you would have had to pay him. I felt this trade was made by Seattle 
because Seattle has cap space. As, as a matter of fact, listen, Jamal Adams, as I said before, he has two years, thirteen and a half million left on his current deal. He's a free agent. He's a free agent in twenty twenty two. So when I talked about him on the you know earlier this month, I said that you know his projected value was at six years, eighty eight point four million. Now. Why is it like that? Because Land, if you see the, the contract Landon Collins got for Washington, he got a six-year deal, and there you go. So Jamal Adams is looking at he players look at other player stuff. I don't care what anybody says. I think absolutely, absolutely. If if you think they don't, then you're you're foolish. Exactly. He's they're looking around like ah, well, if if that guy is making that much money, I'm better than that guy. Look at the look at Dak Prescott, for example. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. I'm just gonna go real quick because one day we were gonna talk about Dak Prescott more in depth. I'm just gonna say this for Dak Prescott: It took Russell Wilson three contracts to get Russell Wilson money, sir. Get to the NFC Championship game, then we can have that conversation. I was gonna say, in those three Russell Wilson contracts, didn't he one of those things called like a Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, one of those big trophies, you know, Lombard. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Dallas Cowboys, they, the only time they you, – you, know, you know what? The only time they get to see their footage, Chris, you had to get a VCR. All right, so – and listen, if you go to a pawn shop, get a VCR. That's the last time you can see Dallas Cowboys highlights on television. God, ain't that the truth. So, well, anyway, I didn't – you boys. know. That, that, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, your boy's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your boy's all right. Men win championships. But anyway – don't send me letter, Dallas. But but to go back to, to Jamal Adams, I think Chris, I think Seattle will sign him long term. I think you don't you don't give up two first round picks without signing him long term at some point. Absolutely. You don't give up the farm essentially and a, you know and essentially a starter. Listen, you know in two, you know in two years in 2022, Seattle will have a cap space of 127.4 million dollars of cap space, and that's ninth best in the league. In two years. So what they're saying is we'll sign him. But Chris, my problem with this trade is that, and it goes, and I talked about this on Twitter and and I'll say it here. It's another example of what I think Seattle could have used those same assets and traded for a very good receiver. Because do you see essentially what Arizona gave up to get DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah. Do you do you not see what Buffalo gave up to get Stephen Diggs? And I'm like, you can't get Russell receiver. And I'm like, you can't get him talent either. And I think that's the part that gets to me the most, Chris. Because once again, I'm not here to knock on. I'm not knocking on Jamal Adams, but Jamal Adams is essentially like you said, he's like the honey badger. And you look at that hot chart that you talked about, Chris, it literally parallels Cam Chancellor's chart from, from four years ago. They, they essentially traded for Cam Chancellor in their mind. And I trust Pete Carroll. I trust Pete Carroll. But my whole point is, is that you're going to invest more money into a safety than, than you know, to get talent around. Like, basically, your, your tight end is Greg Olson. And I think that's a case dismissed situation. That, and that's I'm not coming together by like shoestrings and like a strand of duct tape. Yeah, it's like Geppetto is running this team offensively. 
because Russell Wilson should not have to run for his life. Invest in offensive line. It's easy, Chris. I always say this. It's so easy to blame certain people situations when you don't have facts. The fact of the matter is, how do I know Russell Wilson's been the offense? Chris, look at his receiving core. Can you even name a receiver outside of DK Metcalf? See, why'd you have to go and do that to me? See, it's a, that, that's my point. If teams like Buffalo did not need another receiver, Chris, they ha- they don't need another receiver. They need another receiver the same way that I need another hamburger. I don't need another hamburger, for the record. Wait, hold on. I can actually name one. I just thought about it. Uh, the, they drafted Freddie Swain from Florida. Okay, well... You, you get yes, a cookie. Yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you get a cookie because you know what you got me. But but the the point is that the point is that Chris, it's a matter of you're willing to give up essentially your future for the next two years in the first round to get Jamal Adams, who you're going to sign long term. There's no secret about that. But the reality is, Chris, the safety position, and I said it. When I talked about Jamal Adams in this segment, and I'll be the king of repetition, and I'll say it again. The safety position ain't valuable. How do I know that? Chris, do you know what the franchise tag is for safety? It's almost $12 million. Oh, Lord. And essentially... In the next two years, Jamal Adams is going to make more than $12 million a year. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know what it is, is that they, you know, there's like this buzzword that's been going around called positionless defense. Have, have, have you heard about, like, have, have you yeah, heard that theory? It, 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 it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Here, here's I didn't mean to cut you off, Chris. But here's why I think it's stupid. I'll let you, how can you have positionless defense? Because my whole point is, then where the hell does everybody line up? Because, like, in basketball, listen, Chris, we play basketball. That's more positionless than, than football. In football, you line up. You line up. So by saying positionless, you're telling me that someone like Makai Beckton is going to be a tight end? Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, it, it's not so much positionless. I think, like I said, that's very true. It's a buzzword. I just think that it's more – hybrid we're getting more hybrid defenses is what i believe yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of where i sit is it's more of a a hybrid because let's face it you're not going to take a a defensive end and expect him to play in the role of a safety and have the speed of a safety and then have a safety drop down and try to run uh a, a blocking scheme or to punch a hole for a linebacker to push through, you know? Because um, yeah. that's the other thing that they were talking about, you know, when I was reading a lot on this, like, oh, you know, Adams could fit in on this positionless type defense. And, you know, maybe Pete Carroll's scheme, you know, scheme would be good for him, uh, you know, in the way that he would fit in. And then I just sit back and I keep looking at it. And I'm like, where, like, 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 I mean, like, well, like, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna not only be the 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 receiver or the you know the the free safety? Is he gonna run up and play middle linebacker and then line up on the line and 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 push a block? You know, I mean, like, like it's just, it's, yeah, it's it, it, Do I agree? It's hybrid. Yes. Do I this? But this positionless thing. 
I, you know, I, 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 I trust that about as much as these self-driving cars right now. Yeah. And you, you, you know, you know, I getting tongue tied, but here's my point. Jamal Adams play with all due respect. And if he's listing, eh, I don't care. I'll, I'll go on the record and say this. Jamal Adams is essentially a linebacker in a, in a safety clothing, in safety clothing, period. Because if you look at the way Greg Williams utilized him, like safeties blitz. We've known safeties to blitz. Not that's to the not volume the, he does, though. Exactly. That, that's the point, Chris. Well, it's like that's I said, exactly the, 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 heat, the heat box where they showed him where he lined up, he was five yards or less on the line of scrimmage more times than not. And if you're a safety, exactly. you should be sitting at that five to ten yard minimum. But it, it, exactly, exactly. If and at the point, I think it's to the point, Chris, where I just cannot wrap my head around the fact that I'm not knocking Jamal Adams, and he's going to get paid because look, if you're seeing other guys getting paid, like Landon Collins, Landon Collins getting paid, okay, then you got to pay Jamal Adams because Jamal Adams is 24, so you're going to pay him until he'll be 26, so that's fine. But to to the greater point, Chris, I think, you know, going back to the Jets perspective, I think if you're the New York Jets, Jets, Chris, trading Jamal Adams does two things. Obviously, it you know, you get another start in Bradley McDougal, obviously. But, Chris, I think you get the opportunity. You save money because here's the thing. You don't hold on to something long enough until you can't have any value because at the end of the day and, and and in many ways chris i feel the nba and the nfl parallels in the in this particular respect when it comes to players when it comes to demanding things in terms of value because jamal adams as a safety is just as valuable as you trading away a center like just just a pure center like if you look at the NBA, Chris, if basically Jamal Adams trade was the equivalent of if you traded Giannis for five, three to four first round picks, uh, two starters and and maybe a second round pick. That that to me, Chris, makes much more sense than what than what Seattle gave up, because with Giannis. Giannis is Giannis. First and foremost, Giannis is a guy that he can shoot. He plays defense. He, he listen. I, I could go on day about basketball, but but my point is, Chris, where the parallel comes in is that is the value. I think a lot of teams do either undervalue or overvalue certain things. The San Antonio Spurs, and I talk about them a lot, Chris. You know they don't spend a lot of money in free agency. Nope. You know they don't make a lot of big trades because. They trust the system. And in the NFL, the closest thing we've had to that in the last 20 years was, was the New England Patriots. New England Patriots made trades, but they were trades of value. The New England Patriots did not over overspend to get anybody. They did. Like when they traded Garoppolo, Chris, they could have easily got a first round pick, but they got a second. Yeah. Like, and, and at the end of the day, you can sleep, I can sleep easier saying, okay, that's fine by me. I think that's the way you had to look at trades. I look back at this trade, Chris, and I go, if you're the Jets, 
you got two first round. I don't think Adam Gates will be there to see him, but you know he'll be somewhere. You know, hopefully, you know, I don't know, reading comic books somewhere. But, <laughs> but I think the Jets understand that. Listen, it, you they were not going to pay Jamal Adams, and more importantly, Chris, I think if you're the Jets. I think you they think that listen, if we believe that Sam Darnold is the guy, Chris, we gotta have the money ready there for him. And if we can't sign Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold. Yeah, yeah, sometimes so, you gotta choose between one or the other. And essentially, nine times out of ten, Chris, you choose the quarterback. It's just like the situation where it's just like think about it in, in life where sometimes people have the question, do you take a job for the money or do you take a job for the potential the you know the potential you know hierarchy. Do you take the job for the money, or do you take it for okay? You take it because it's a great company. Because if it's a great company, you may not get as much money as you may get with the money that you are at the table. So the Jets essentially said that we'll take Sam Darnold in the context of that we can save money because we're not going to pay him Russ money. We don't have to pay him Russ money. We can pay him Jared Goff money, but we're not going to pay him Russ money. And essentially, Jamal Adams was the guy that, listen, he was a system guy who played a position that wasn't valuable. And what I can't wrap my and before we before we move on, is I'll just say this. What people have to understand, Chris, is if you can't understand why Jamal Adams doesn't just listen, he's gonna get the money, Chris doesn't mean he he earns it. I can name we can name players. In any sport, who listen, we'd be like, ah, man, they shouldn't get the money, but they get it because other people, like I said, because other people get it. That's simply it. Jamal Adams is going to get paid, but it's like that buyer beware. You're investing in a safety for six years, and look at the teams who invested long term into a safety. The Chicago Bears did with Eddie Jackson. Yeah. Landon Collins, Washington. What's the common thread? Like, what's the common thread? Like, these ain't playoff teams. These ain't playoff. And I'm not saying Seattle's not a playoff team, but because Seattle's structure is well enough that they can, they can sustain it. But the point is, Chris, is that you don't you don't put a hundred grand on a Mazda. That's the point. <laughs> or yeah. or you, you, like, look, I may not be the I'm not, I'm not I'm not the biggest car guy in the world, but even I know you don't drop six figures on a Mazda. Like mm-hmm. even I know that. True so, story. But but speaking of things dropping, then the Major well, League Baseball season. Oh, go ahead. You want to make another point? Yeah, I was going to say, I, uh, you know, the only thing I really, I got one message left for, for Jamal Adams. What? That's all I got to say to that. I'm getting good at these little sound effects. Yeah, you are. Too good. Too good. Too good. Too good. Because the last week was the first time I've done this show two years. That was the first time I could not get to the ending straight enough. In terms of like I got fumbled in thought. Because if it happens in the middle like this, I can I can laugh and move on. But you do it at the end, I think I gave Chris an idea. That's a terrible that's my fault. But it's like that was the first time I went and after I record you know, we recorded and with all of that I said, Man, like this, I mean, you got, I got bamboozled. I'm like, it is. Yeah. As, but I, I think they said it in Friday. You got got. Yeah, I did get got. 
and, and, and for the record, listen, you could have stopped making Friday after next Friday. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, that's like it's like Police Academy. You could have stopped after three. But you know, I'm listen. I'm not Hollywood. Well, we already speak- we already picked on Jamal Adams before we start picking on movies. You want to pick on baseball a little bit? Yeah, let's let's yeah let's pick on because <laughs> yeah we're just picking on everybody and everything. But let's let's pick on baseball. Baseball's back up and running, and I'll, I'll let you lead off and give me your thoughts. Because I know, and I'll just say this, you know, I've been able to watch, you know, watch as much baseball as I can. I was able to watch Yankee game, you know, my Cubs games. But I noticed something, and we talked about it in the pre-meeting, and you brought it up, is exactly as Giancarlo stand. And because Giancarlo understood something, and I'll get to it after you make your point. But I want to get your thoughts on just how, what certain changes can make. Like, if we thought that Giancarlo Stanton was already a great hitter, well, guess what, America? <sighs> he got better. And and in the words of uh, Tom Hanks, Houston, you've got a problem. Uh, so Stanton, of course, was just plagued with injuries last season. I think he played like a total of 17 games, I want to say. Yeah, 17. Uh, I know it wasn't 20. Yeah. Um, he was just plagued with injuries. Now, coming into New York from Miami, I think he spent a little too much time at those really good Cuban food trucks outside the stadium. And if you've never been there to Marlins Park, right uh, outside of it, they do a lot of the food trucks and shit. And they've got these – I mean, there are some banging Cuban sandwiches there, man. Let me tell you firsthand experience. I think he might have indulged in one too many of them and then compiled it with a very wicked weightlifting regimen. And Stanton was just, he was big. I mean, he's always been like a big boy, but he was just, he was burly last season. And sometimes when, you know, your body's not used to carrying that extra weight, you know, it, it starts breaking down. Um, coming into this season, he shaved off a good amount of weight. I don't know exact numbers, but he looked night and day difference. He looked fit. He looked trimmer, but, but, uh, defined, you know, it almost sounds like I got like a, like a man crush on the, on the dude here. I don't, but, uh, can't fool me, can't fool me, (laughs) but he looked so much better inside the box the the way that his shoulders are squared his hips are squared the way he was on his feet his his weight distribution and the at bat and i think his first up to bat he showed why he could get paid 100 plus million on a contract uh he he put a ball into a low or low earth orbit there uh his first up to bat there against the natties in game one and that's the Stanton that I was hoping that we would we would see, and we didn't waste our money, and we got bamboozled. Um, you know, he was not. The, there were a few players. Uh, Luke Voigt, the the first baseman for the Yankees, he lost something like like forty eight pounds in the offseason. The same thing. He was just. I mean, first basemen are typically always a little bit bigger. If you look at like Mark McGuire. Jason Giambi, uh, uh, Mark Teixeira, hell, Big Poppy, any of these cats, have, they're, they're just big dudes at first base. And, uh, you know, Voight was that big boy role. He slimmed down. Same thing. You know, he, he's definitely improved his bat speed. Um, but 
you know, just overall, I'm happy to see baseball back, except for the Marlins, just doing the Florida thing and just fucking it up for everybody. Um, you know, because it ruined, uh, you know, because naturally living here in, in, in Philly, uh, the Yankees were playing a series in Philadelphia. Not that I was able to go to the game, but look, the, seeing the face of all the Sour Patch kids, if I go out into a bar or a restaurant and I'm in my Yankees paraphernalia, just the looks of anger that I get are just it it warms my cold, bitter little heart into just into such a good place. Let me tell you, um, it is weird though with the, without the crowd, the simulated crowd noise. Eh, you know, um, maybe it helps more in the stadium than it does uh, watching you know watching on the TV. Um, having a Rod call a game while watching it in a in a TV studio is fucking comedic gold. Five minutes into the in the into the, the cast, did you, did you hear his little quip? He's like, "Why don't we just get some beers?" He's like, "Let's get some cervezas." I was like, "Dude, a Rod, come on, bud!" Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean... like, like, like a Rod. We know you're the king of entanglements. J Lo proves that. Don't entangle no cervezas into your sports casting career. It's a horrible idea. It'll look like Will Smith. Just not good right now. Oh. I know. I'm oh, just I'm all over the place. Uh, oh, you know. <laughs> we're going to get letters. And for yeah, the record, yeah. for the record, yeah. I'm not going to read them. But but no, it, it it was cool to watch, man. I'm happy it's back. Um, the the some of the rules changes are, are are pretty unique going into the playoffs and extra innings and you know so on and so forth. Um, I'm curious to see what's going on. And and I think teams are displaying what you and I talked about the the last week's show. This is a sprint. This is not a marathon. And I think you're seeing players play harder right now than they would if it was a full 162 deck on hand right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm wondering where, uh, where that will fall in. Uh, you know, maybe later down the road, does baseball analyze maybe pull it back from 162 games, maybe down to 120, maybe to 100? Or do they keep it at 162 so we have something to watch for months on end? Um, but, you know, and, and there are some teams that are uh, looking good. And then there are some teams that, well, <laughs> not so much. Um, you know, there there is this, I saw this meme on Facebook, and I think I shared it. It was the the picture of um, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker when he's crying and trying to put the makeup on, and and the meme said when when you're the Red Sox and you think you're going to get a three game lead right out of the gate playing the Orioles, and I was just like, damn, yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I'm like, that's cold, yeah, yeah. that is cold. <laughs> I mean, even with even with the rebuild that's going on in in, in Boston. You, you can't drop Orioles, that many games to the O's right out of the gate, man. It's still <laughs> the Orioles. Like one game is bad enough. That's yeah. One I mean, that's, is, just, uh, that's it's you know, I you, you you get a good laugh out of it, but um, you know, your usual sus. I mean, right now, you know, you've got like the the Indians leading. The, I mean, granted, we they've only got like four games in, but you know, the teams that you that we kind of spoke on. Uh, would be the ones, but you know, the ones that did get a little bit of a slow start. I see your cubbies are three and one and the reds are one and three. So, you know, maybe there's uh some yeah. light the tunnel. 
Yep, I uh, made some calls. I made some calls. I there you go. There you go. You know, I saw the Mets and Braves were going back and forth. Uh, that thing you did post on on the the Sports in the World Facebook of the Bugs Bunny cartoon, I think it was like Muggsy Bogues was up the bat and just hitting a home run every single time. Yeah, that was a conga line. Anybody who, if, if you saw that Sunday night game, it's bad enough the Knicks are bad. That's one thing. Like, it was the best thing in town. It's always been the Yankees. And that game kind of confirmed that, listen, you're still the Mets. Like, you you, you got like Kendrick Lamar. You, you got sat down. You got humbled. That, that's essentially what happened. It's, you know, I, I didn't have a horse in the race, Chris. I, I, you know, I'm just in it for the memes in certain situations. And, and, and I just, you know, I, I took my shot. I took my shot. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, it's definitely going to be an interesting season. I'm curious to see maybe the Marlins could not fuck things up for everybody, and we could uh, we could carry on um, somehow. I don't even if they're so sick. I don't know how they're leading the uh, the NL East right now at two and one. But God bless them. <laughs> um, even when they're winning, it, they, they got it got shut down. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You, even them like actually winning games, they still manage to screw shit up. Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, I'm I'm excited for it. Um, you know, there's uh, we're we're rolling down to uh, to Baltimore uh, tomorrow for the 7:35 game, uh, and then I think we got a two game there with the uh, with the Sox one and actually I think both of them are in New York. So that'll be that'll be exciting. I'm like I said, I'm I'm happy to see. Uh, you know, things really start coming to, uh, you know, coming to a grind. And uh, hopefully we get to, you know, we, we'll get our full 60 games and we'll go from there. Yeah, you know, I, I do too. But I think I harped on this, I think last episode, maybe two episodes ago, where I talked about, Chris, where, you know, players opting out wasn't the word. I think I talked about that. And... When you see that's you know essentially seventeen members of the Marlins, listen, you know the Marlins season it's it's on hold until the third of August and the Phillies you know that Tuesday on the fourth. You know I'll just be real quick and say this is that I think we talked about this in the um in our uh, you know I think you mentioned that we talked about in our meeting because we had like a pre meeting they're always fun we might record it one day it's always good stuff things we could never say on the air of course but. But the point is, there was always the you know a, a friend of mine had said on Twitter that maybe if if basket if if the if Major League Baseball had took the NBA route, meaning you know essentially kind of playing in a bubble. But my whole thing is, but my whole thing is is that. By doing that, I, I, I think. Don't you dare! Get your butt back, But my whole thing is, is that my whole uh-huh. thing is you can't do it in a in an enclosed building because essentially, what's happening, Chris, is, is that if you're in the NBA, they always play indoors. Yeah. Oh, you know, unless they play outdoors, unless you know something changed. Major League Baseball, pretty much. You have like stadiums like Chase Field in Arizona. They have the retractable roof in Toronto. Tropicana Field in Tampa. There are a lot of retractable, you know, there are a lot of either domes. 
there's a lot of things that goes on. But the thing is, but the thing is, Chris, I don't think it would have worked simply because where would you be able to have the bubble at? Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. You know, a, a basketball court, I don't know the exact dimensions of it, um, but I, I, I'm willing to bet it's significantly smaller than uh, uh, than a baseball field. You know, yeah. also the other thing you got to take into consideration is the club size. You mm-hmm. have a basketball team, for example. I I mean, what at, at most, what's that, like a 15-person roster? Yeah, some have. It's usually 12 to 15. Okay, you know, a baseball team, you've got uh, eight starters, a, desi- a a couple designated hitters, four to five ace pitchers, um, mid relievers, short relievers, and closers. I mean, you've got you know a a, a twenty five plus person roster, you know, plus your backups and so on and so forth. So I don't think it's as easy for baseball to do. You know, let's just say, for example, like or uh, they're doing all the basketball in Orlando, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just say they do like all the baseball in Tampa. You know, it's it's an enclosed arena, so you can't, you know, you don't have to worry about weather, for example. You know, like compared if you did it in Atlanta, if it rains uh, for a day, you know, that could fuck four games up, for example, you know, if, if, it, if it rains, uh, you know, so but if you put all these people in Tampa, now you have to get room and board for all these people. And then you got to make sure those places are uh, uh, aren't going to be contaminated hotels or, you know, I mean, unless if you're going to build like a city in the parking lot of of Tropicana Field or someplace like that, for example, uh, I, I mean, it's it's not as easy as it is with baseball. So, like, when people argue that, well, they should just do a bubble, like, no, no, it, it, it's silly. Basketball is an indoor sport only, unless if you're on, like, the N1 uh, dunk tour from, like, the, the late 90s. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, other than that, it's an indoor sport. Baseball is not. Baseball is the majority of the stadiums are outdoor, you know, and uh, it's it's – I mean, granted, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing to think on and say, but to actually make it work logistically, it would be an absolute nightmare to try to house that many people, that many organizations in that confined of a space. You know, unfortunately, with this this COVID thing, it it's here. Um, you know, and we just got to deal with it. You know, I mean, I, I got my own personal theories and and tinfoil hat things that I could. Uh, I could dive into in a much later day, but you know we're gonna leave that out for now. Um, but yeah, you know we'll just we'll we'll see what happens. We'll we'll play it. You know, just hopefully everybody stays healthy. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, let's just kick the Marlins out of the league for the year. Let them try again next season. I mean, as for those theories go, I'll, I'll let you do those theories, Chris, when I'm on vacation. And uh, you know how they have you know like a, well, there's no vacation. Welcome to the UFO hour, and that's all you. Hello, dude. I I did did binge watch uh, another hearty like six hours of Ancient Aliens on Sunday. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna try to front about it right now. Yeah, it's. I I I think, dude. (laughs) You know what? It's funny. Before I get back and finishing baseball, see, you binged, and for some reason, like I kind of binge watch Netflix. And 
because like because there's this TV is easy by far bingeable. Like I know bingeable may have a word. Listen, I'm not with your dictionary. It should be a word, but it's bingeable bingeable material because when it's so good. Because I used to binge. I don't know if you remember the show Twenty Four. I yeah, used to with, literally uh, Jack Bauer, man. Yeah, I I used to binge that show because I love the writing the format of it because there were a lot of shows that were akin to it at the time but they tried to fit it all into an hour like everything but like literally it was like every day it was like every hour the ergo 24 there was 24 episodes so it was bingeable and and this and, and then i formed some theory then i did it so what i tell people that listen there's certain things that are bingeable and certain things that aren't bingeable like i tell people this binge watch tv don't try to binge watch movies it, it doesn't like imagine trying to binge watch like Star Wars, every single Star Wars. Like you, like is it doable? Sure. So is climbing Mount Everest. Doesn't mean you got to do it. Exactly. That, that, that's my point. But anyway, you know, I like a little side talk, like sidebars. But but to finish up the point on baseball, I, I want to talk about something that I talked about last week, and I think it kind of comes to fruition now. Is that that universal DH rule? Is a very I tell people it works because now you're seeing a lot more National League teams hitting the ball because you have an extra bat as opposed to every other season where the pitcher you have nine hitters. The American League was always the better hitting team, Chris, because if you have nine bats on your team, you know you're obviously going to be better. So with the National League, like I said, the Cubs are three and one. Listen, I've always said that. Listen, the Universal DH was made for guys like Schwarber. And you can rotate guys like Rizzo into the DH spot. You can rotate Chris Bryant. Like the DH spot is is a rotational position. I think the Yankees do it. I think every good team can do it, Be, especially if you have team. Yeah, you, you have great fielders. Like you know, you're able to you know put in a guy like Schwarber, who's not a great fielder. Put him in the DH a couple of days. If you know he's a terrible, you know if he's not just fielding, if his fielding is just way below average what it is now. And you're starting to see like the Braves putting up, you know, 14 plus runs like Chris. And, and they were already a great team before the universal DH, but now they get an extra bet. And that's why free agency now with, you know, with the trade deadline kind of moving up toward, you know, the end of August, I would not be shocked, Chris, if you start to see more national league teams involved in getting an extra bat. Because remember, it was always American League teams looking for the extra bat. Now, pretty much anybody who's out of contention, Florida, you know, you know, get that extra bat. It, it, and, it's, it's a world of difference. It, it is a it, world it, of difference. Yeah, and, and and like you said, Chris, I think this sixty game. If we get sixty games, Chris, I know for years, I think even under Sea, like there was talk like, listen, one sixty-two is just too much. Simply because of the fact that, look, it drags, like, traveling and back-to-back. since the, Like, the NBA, like, the NBA 82, they, I think they were even talking about cutting that down. Like, at some, I'm, I think, Chris, would, would, if, if, if this 60-game schedule works out, I think you may see in the next couple of years, if Rob Manfred could do something right, I would have no problem cutting the season to maybe – like you say, I can deal with 100, 120. I can cap it at 140. I'm fine with that. You know, having an even number of games and then 
having even number games and then having an exciting wild card, you know, you know, tiebreak. You know, I, I'm 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 game for that. Because baseball already has I have the three major sports, they have like the worst reputation for the wrong reasons. So I don't need I don't need to go down that that lane again. But it's good to have baseball back and it's good to, and more importantly, Chris, it's great to see it's how can I put this? It's it's great to see that sports is coming back like baseball, like that, that Yankees Nats game, like fourteen million people watch that game. Dude, so to, to cut in, let me let me cut in for a second on that. Mm-hmm. So that little douche, Dr. Fauci, mm-hmm. that is the worst first pitch. I that was worse than the Baba Booey pitch. Oh no. Yes, that oh. was worse than the Baba Booey pitch. And what makes it even worse. Is like, and again, this is me jumping on my my political soapbox, but we call it sports and the world, so I'm going to jump into the world part here, which I normally steer away from doing. You got this stupid son of a bitch on the mound wearing that stupid fucking mask, and then while he's sitting in the stands next to his wife and whoever, or his friends or whoever they were, he's sitting not six feet socially distance apart, but seat one, seat two, seat three without their masks on and they're like looking over and talking to each other if that's not hypocrisy i just don't know what is and i know that's a whole other subject that we could go down the rabbit hole on and i'm not going to do it but i'm just going to point it out a you suck at pitching doctor and b you suck at practicing what you preach doctor so practice what you preach doctor and then learn how to throw a fucking ball doctor that's all i gotta say Good thing he wasn't a trial. But anyway, good. <laughs> Jesus, I'm like, let's take a recess. Like, but what what I will say is this: before we move on to to wrapping up, I think with base baseball, I think my biggest question more: can they finish 60 games? And like I say, if they can, it, I think you get that. I think you got to like the NFL. We look at the NFL, Chris, only 16 games, so every game's important. In Major League Baseball, like at 162 games, not every game's important. And I think meaning that at 162 games, I would say maybe 30 to 35% matter. I'm not trying to knock the rest of 60%, but it's a matter of, like, you should have enough games for it to matter. Because at the end of the day, we get stuck with teams like the Marlins and the Orioles and seeing them go 30 and 100 and like and it's only August and you're like, Jesus, and we got to finish them and we got to finish watching them play the season. Ain't nobody showing up as opposed to maybe like a team like the Yankees. Oh, they're 130. You're going to want to see that. And I think the problem with baseball is, is that that's one of the reasons why baseball gets knocked is, is that, listen, it drags. To a degree of too many games. I don't think, like, you know, improving certain aspects of the game helps. But if you shorten it, if you shorten the length of the game, Chris, I think you can get more fans in. Because baseball, as I think we talked about, baseball's our first love. You know, we, we both play baseball in our leagues. We love baseball. So I don't want to see people knock baseball. The one big knock I always hear is like, you guys play 162 games. 
Yeah, the, you know what? It's it, the the attention span of the world has gotten to the size of a fucking yeah. frame, man. It, it's min, it's it's minimized. Like look at like look at I didn't mean to cut you off, but like the QB. Like I don't even heard of the QB. Like essentially, it's like pocket episodes. They're like fifteen minute episodes now because people can't watch half an hour hour of television anymore. So we're we're always trying to find ways to maximize the minimization, if that makes any sense at all. Is you know, in terms of we're trying to maximize people's attention spans by trying to minimize it. And and I'm not I like I say, and like you mentioned earlier, Chris, I can get down to like one twenty. Me I put the cap at maybe one forty. It's not the worst thing in the world. But what I will say this, and I'll defend baseball in this, is that that look, baseball, A, if you look at all the sports, baseball has listen. It's, it's too many people involved in the game to have, like, even 60 games. You know who really benefits? The players benefit because they don't have to play, especially the pitchers. Of course, they average 12 starts as opposed to the regular season, which is, like, almost, like, it's 20. Yeah, 20, like 20, 25, 30. So it's, yeah, exactly. So it saves them from starting. And even then, like, even, like, you don't have to worry about putting spot starters in. You can just put in, you know, hey, they can pitch. That's why I say having the sprint, not, you know, having a sprint concept, it works. But I tell people who knock baseball is that you want it to be, you want it to be flashy and it's not flashy. It's like the theory of style versus substance. You're going to have those who like things that are like clothing. I look at clothing. Like sometimes, Chris, you'll have, a, you'll have somebody who's like Zoolander and wear very stylish clothing. And then you'll get someone the other parallel who look like, you know, Screech and and, it's, you know, or Urkel to have a balanced audience. So it's style versus substance. The person with style may lack substance and maybe the person with substance lacks style, but there's a medium ground. Yeah, there's a happy medium in there. Yeah, there's a happy medium. And it's like I think baseball can find this happy medium. At at some point, but but before we wrap up, Chris, did you have any thoughts? Any other any other uh, you know uh, Atticus Finch esque uh, rants to go on? <laughs> any other pearls of wisdom? Uh, yeah. You know, nah, man. Uh, wear your stupid masks. Uh, wash your hands. Don't lick each other's buttholes. Uh, you know, let's let's try to get this Corona shit wrapped up. I'm kind of getting tired of hearing about it. Corona canes, Corona whatever's, you know, uh, at this point. Just either kill us all or just get it over with. Um, also, please stop rioting in the street and stop setting shit on fire. It's how you get shot in the face. Um, also, if you call someone a pussy and point a gun at them, and in turn they point their gun at you and shoot you, um, you reap what you sow. I'm not going to lie. I did enjoy watching that on the news. Uh, other than that, nah, man, I know you wanted to touch on your boy Regis Philbin. I know because you're the game show wizard. Uh, you know, he kicked the bucket. Uh, so if you want to touch on that, well, uh, I'll give you your soapbox. That's all I got for this one, man. Yeah, thank you. Game show wizard. Well, you know, that's, well, anyway, that's good. No, I mean, I mean, real talk, though, oh. compared to me to you. You're significantly more advanced in the game show wizardry than I. 
Because we all right. So, so like Ladarius talks about our our pre like we'll we'll call it pregame huddle. Um, we'll go through all of our things. So naturally, what we do in the beginning of the week is we we go through we bat ideas back and forth on how we're gonna what we want to talk about in the episode, and then also things of relevance pop up. You know, literally. Uh, a couple hours before we started recording this is when the Marlins got the plug pulled on them until August. Um, so that brings relevance and we can talk about that shit as we start coming on here. Um, so he, you know, was like, you know, Hey, I want to touch, you know, cause naturally we talk about pop culture and movie references and people dying and shit like that on here. We have fun with it. Um, you know, so he, he comes to me, he's like, well, I want to, uh, you know, talk about Regis filament. Well, you know, <laughs> my uncultured ass, I'm like, who? Regis, I'm like, wasn't he the one that was on the the the, the TV show with that tight body little blonde chick? And Ladarius is like, dude, well, yes. And I was like, there's something else he was on. He's like, he was the one who wants to be a millionaire. I'm like, of course you would know that. Like that that you know, there you go. So again, game show wizard. That's again <laughs> a, a a type into our uh, our 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 pre-show planning. Maybe maybe we'll we'll do a little behind the scenes on that. But uh, I'll let you have the floor on that because, well, I I know him from the tight body blonde. Yeah, yeah, Kelly Ripa. Yeah. Yes. There you go. But you know, I I did want to touch on it because you know, growing up, I did watch Regis. You know, I I used to watch Regis. You know, he did with Kathy Lee, and then he when he did it with uh, Kelly Ripa. But the the thing with Regis and what I liked about what everybody loved about Regis Philbin. Is that he, Regis Philbin could talk to anybody, which in in today's world, and even he even back when he did it, he understood that you could talk to anybody, and you could relate to he was he could relate you could see what he was, and everybody said this, and you could see it when he's on television, the same way Regis Philbin was when we saw him on television, was the same Regis you saw off camera. And you don't hear that a lot about people. You always hear, man, they were like this in front of the camera, but man, they were completely like that on the other. But Regis was Regis, and he was always consistent. And I would watch him, like, you know, when he do when he does interviews, I'm like, his guy would interview wrestlers, to interviewing actors and actresses, interviewing even down to, you know, essentially everyday people. And Chris, he he stayed the same. It's, it, it wasn't like he he treated everybody the same. And when he did Wants to Be a Millionaire, and what made it remarkable about his run on Millionaire is that he was 67 years old. And he gave ABC their biggest hit. At that point, that it, it didn't have to last like 10 years. He He was able to take this game show and have everybody watch it. And you very rarely see game shows on prime time. Like now you kind of semi do, but you didn't see it on, you know, you didn't see it on prime time often. But when you saw Regis do it and it's like, there he goes again, connecting with everybody. It's like when he gave away like the, you know, the million dollar question and he was able to, to just be Regis. And one thing that I'll miss about Regis is that, listen, Regis was the biggest Notre Dame fan in the world. He he went there. He was the biggest sports fan in the world because he used to. I remember he was on when he was on live. 
and he was talking about the he was talking about the late great Kobe Bryant, and he would just beat his chest like 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 that. He would beat his chest, and I, and he said Kobe knows what that means, and then Kobe would laugh because he, Kobe would know what that meant, and and it was just it was just the way that Reggie was able to connect with anybody. And I'm gonna miss him, you know. I think of his family, because Regis, Regis, was, he he logged Chris, he logged in the most hours of television anybody in history. No oh, shit. He was on. He was on. He never took a. He rarely took a day off from live. He wanted to be on television. He wanted to entertain people. That's what some people are born into this world to do certain things. Regis Philbin was born to entertain people. No matter it was on the game show level or whether it was, you know, up early in the morning where where everybody's not a morning person. No matter what he did, he was able to still connect with people. He was still able to come off as someone relatable. And most importantly, he was always himself. And there's a quote I always have by the author Oscar Wilde, which I try to live by, is that be yourself Everyone else is taken. And I think and I think and I think Regis Philbin epitomized that and so much more. But I just want to, you know, just, you know, I want to thank Regis for that, because, you know, it's one of the reasons, as, as you know, like you call me the game show wizard. I love the way how Regis hosts game shows. It's like I used to watch like I still watch Jeopardy to this day. In fact, for the record, that's why we couldn't get started, because I had to watch Jeopardy. So, so that's why this, man, he, this man's so, like, hey, give me, give me a half hour. Let me, let me watch some Jeopardy before we start recording. <laughs> yeah, like, like give, give me a half hour. Like, I'll give you, like, I've, I've given him over an hour. Just give me that half hour. <laughs> and so, so, you know, once again, I just think of Regis, and he's gonna be missed. Every, everybody thought he was gonna. We all think people are gonna live forever. We really do. And you know, but unfortunately, you know, we all have to go that way at some point in our life. But we all want to go by being remembered as being ourselves. I think Regis, like I said, he epitomized that quote, be yourself. And I just kept thinking about that quote that I have on my Facebook. If you ever look on my Facebook page, it's it's right there because that's the way you should live your life. Like Regis, like be yourself. Whether you're on camera, like how we do this show, we're being ourselves. And, and that's why it works. This is that we're, we're we've been friends for a long time, but we're opposite and it works because we're being ourselves. And I think that's how life should be. That's the way Regis lived his life. He was himself. And that's a message for everybody. Just be yourself. Don't try to be the next person because that next person maybe is not themselves. So just try to be the best version of you. Essentially what I'm saying. So that's that's what I have to say about Regis. So. I'll probably be watching some millionaire and and I saw I saw a clip of when Regis used to go on on Letterman. I used to watch Letterman. Like that was Regis, like it was hilarious. So I suggest you do that. Go look at Regis and Letterman on YouTube. You 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 won't be disappointed. But you know, that's all I that's all I have for this for this episode. And before you go you know, check us out on social media. Go on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash sports the world and also join our Facebook group. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at sports the world. That's at sports the world. And check me out on Twitter at Ladarius underscore Brown. 
and on Instagram at at CubbiesFan77. And check out our website, sportsintheworld1.wordpress.com. And check out the articles that are there. There'll be a new article coming out later this week. Well, folks, until you hear us again, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed. Here from the Sports and the World Podcast. See ya!